Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. We are here at Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas. And you get the feeling, Wes, that uh, today it's like you look out and it's not as packed as we've had mm-hmm. for the last three days here at Circa and certainly South Point as well. Because everybody's just kind of like, my goodness, what a three days yeah. it's been. Fourth day, maybe a little bit more rest. Everybody's got to go home for Monday or everybody's already <laughs> lost their money. So uh, nothing left to do. They're they're pooped out, man. You go hard the first couple of days and then all of a sudden you start gradually wearing down. You got to pace uh, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So you see a lot of the veterans that come out here every year, they understand that. But if you're a first timer, you go hard Thursday and Friday and you're gassed out. We we are seeing a little bit of that today uh, on a Sunday. Of course, got a great show lined up for you. Adam Hill is going to join us uh, from the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal to talk about the big move. Devontae Adams here coming out to the desert to join the Raiders. I think a surprise to Green Bay fans. Uh, Simon Gersberg is going to join us once again, the founder of Shot Quality. Uh, great information from Simon as always. And Yaron Weitzman is going to join us, Fox Sports NBA writer. In the last hour, we'll talk some NBA with your own so we got a really good lineup for you here in the next three hours we'll keep an eye on the Valspar NASCAR is going on but of course it is March Madness and I want to get your thoughts here right now Villanova I believe seven to three here at the first TV timeout uh, 15 minutes to go here in the first half over Ohio State Uh, but I do want to get to the game that just did conclude that's Illinois going out Mm -hmm. and and you wondered maybe after the miracle finish in round one for Illinois, if they would play better in round two against Houston, the answer is no. Right, and and I was on the Illini, and look, dead wrong side. Houston was the absolute right side in this game. It felt like Illinois was kind of uphill, and they did, you know, they did make a run where they kept it, you know, one to two possessions, but then it absolutely got away from them. Thirty-four percent from the floor for Illinois. That was partially. Their bad offense and Houston's very good defense. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were going to see three-point regression from Houston because they shot 10 of 21 in game one against UAB in the first round. So that's 47%. We did see the three-point regression from Houston. They were only 6 of 22 for 27% change. But Illinois, just the turnovers. My goodness. And especially when you knew the game was lost is when Illinois, I think they were down seven. Maybe they were down nine. But they took they took a timeout, and they had a turnover out of the timeout. And this was with about four minutes or so to go. And you knew that the game was over from that standpoint. So Houston moves on, 68-53. to 53. The Houston Cougars uh, will get the uh, winner of Arizona and TCU. 
You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of the talk when the selection committee made their their choices for the 68, my only qualm I had was I thought Texas A&M should have been in the field. That's it. When they when they lose in their uh, conference final. Past that, I think most people just said the seeding might have been a little bit off. I think people mm-hmm. felt that Tennessee was underseeded and Houston as a five seed. Houston is a really weird case. And and I talked about this in my write-up at, at Beeson.com today is that Houston is a team that the metrics guys love. love. The the Ken Bombs, the Bartorvics, the Haslam metrics, et cetera, et cetera, love this team. But the betting market has been a little lukewarm on this mm-hmm. team because, look, they've been beaten up, you know, on weaker competition. The American Athletic Conference is a solid league, but it's not a top six league in America. So really the only team that was able to get them, I think SMU split the season series. Memphis swept them in the regular season, but They've been beaten up on the UCFs and the South Floridas and the Temples and the Cincinnati's. And that is a drop in class. And I thought eventually that was going to bear fruit. Maybe it'll have to wait till the Sweet 16, regardless of whether they get Arizona or TCU. But Houston, I I, I felt like they were maybe a little just overvalued. I thought that line was high at like four and a half. So but, I. but I fell right into it and fell right into the quicksand because uh, – Houston, the absolute right side, great defense. Uh, and look, Kelvin Sampson's guy is always going to play really good defense, even though they didn't shoot the ball particularly well today. They're always going to bring it on defense. And the fact they were plus six on the rebounds, and Houston doesn't have, you know, a seven-foot post guy like Illinois does with Kofi Coburn, but he was getting surrounded. And if you watched the whole game, there'd be a double, and then there'd be a helper. And Kofi Coburn just didn't know what to do with the he ball didn't. at times and, and would get confused. And when you get all them long arms kind of in there, even though you got somebody open outside, you know, to kick out for a three, you're going to have traffic. And balls are going to get batted away. And that's why you saw Illinois commit 17 turnovers, only nine for Houston. Yeah, no question about it. I was right there with you. I thought, boy, next level, Kofi Coburn, as we put a wrap to Illinois' season, if he can learn how to pass out of the double team, he could be very dangerous. But spot on, Kelvin Sampson attacked it. They panicked. The guard play was not particularly good. Inbounding the basketball, I think they had three unforced turnovers. Inbounding mm-hmm. the basketball in yeah. the second half alone. So Illinois was giving away possessions. But kudos to Houston as they move on to the Sweet 16 here with that win. I'm with you. I didn't fall for the pre-flop trap. I waited till halftime and then fell for the trap there. Mm-hmm. Thinking that Illinois made the late run in the first half back in the ball game. They tied it up quickly to begin the second half. And then the rest of that yeah, was not Big pretty to Ten, watch. by the way, 0-1 today, yep. currently in action. We'll get to that momentarily, but I believe there are five Big Ten teams in action today. So far, 0-1, and then the second team to go is another team I did bet on today, and that was Ohio State getting 5.5 at close, 4.5 at BetMGM. So a mm-hmm. little bit of closing line value, but nevertheless, we are underway here in Pittsburgh for the second game of the day. Nine to four as Colin Gillespie hits foul shots, which he pretty much does all yep. season. And the entire Villanova team does. I think they're just a little bit under 83%. That is number one in America. Yeah, and that's the thing about Villanova. I have the money line play today. I have them as uh, my national championship winner. So I'm sweating it out a little bit here today. You want to make sure your team can at least get to the Sweet 16. All my Final Four teams still alive so far here, but we'll see how that goes because Purdue's going to go up against Texas today, another one of my Final Four teams. That feels like a very difficult matchup here, mm-hmm. and I know it feels like Texas will get into where the money is coming in here. A lot of the Sharps really like Texas today. Uh, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, Michigan State and Duke, I do want to ask you about that one very quickly because this has got the feel of heavyweight matchup in the coaching ranks, right? When you have K against Izzo, what do you make of that matchup today? We've seen six, six and a half at some places here for Duke. Maybe they got through that first round. Maybe not the prettiest. They don't cover. Mm-hmm. They went by 17. Mm-hmm. But Michigan State really in a dogfight with Davidson. You assume they're going to have the legs here for this big matchup on a the Sunday. The number is pretty much a shade under what I make it. I made it Duke 7. It's pretty much 6.5 market-wide, including at BetMGM. Total at 145.5. There's even as high as 147 out there. Look, I, I, I thought uh, Duke, they, they still are not defending like they should. And especially you know, off ball screens. And Mm -hmm. you look at what Michigan state did in the first round. I luckily got the cover at that three at the end, but Michigan state, I think was the right side in that game. And he was able to keep Joey Hauser on the floor. And, you know, Davidson wasn't a team that was really going to exploit him athletically. uh, Duke can, 
Duke has the athletes, at least in the starting lineup, to do that. I don't think Hauser's going to be able to guard Bonchero or no. A.J. Griffin. Bonchero, a surefire lottery pick. A.J. Griffin, at bare minimum, a first-rounder. Duke is going to play at least aggressively in terms of ball pressure on the ball. And, of course, you're big down low with Williams and obviously with Bonchero. So you've got a lot of size down there. Uh, Michigan State just uh, has not really been all that efficient. And if you look analytically, like when we bring Simon Gersberg on mm-hmm. from shot quality, they're like 2-15 and 15 analytically in their last 17 games. So you wonder when it's going to kind of cave in on Michigan State. In terms of number value, there's not really much there because I think it's seven, six and a half. There's not that much of a difference. I would be looking perhaps to bet Duke live here hmm. because I do think maybe Duke – the sense of urgency could kick in. And I think they're, they're a better team than Michigan state. The one concern for Duke though, is I do feel that these kids are feeling the pressure. Yeah. I feel that they know that they're the last team that Mike Krzyzewski is ever going to coach at Duke and probably even period. So they're feeling that a little bit and you see them get a little bit tight, like early on against Fullerton on Friday night, they really pulled away and then all of a sudden Fullerton gets a couple transition threes. Duke gets lost defensively and Duke kind of stayed within that double digits, mid double digits, got ahead of the number late and then gave up that layup to blow the cover. But, you know, that's what Duke does. Duke just isn't really pulling away from teams. They were very unimpressive in the ACC tournament. Obviously, they lost their last game at home on Coach K's uh, swan song in Cameron (laughs) Indoor Stadium in Durham. So you you look at Duke, and they just, you know that they have talent, but it does kind of remind you of that Zion team where you had Zion and R.J. Barrett and Cameron Reddish, and you have all these lottery picks, but they just don't put it together. I don't know. I think these guys enjoy playing with each other more than that team did, so at least there's a feather in Duke's cap for that, but nothing for me at least right now. All right, and very quickly, Villanova up 17-7 on Ohio State here 12 minutes ago, a timeout by Ohio State here. The pace that Villanova's playing with here so far in the first eight minutes is a bit surprising. Look, they got off to a really slow start in their first round game, I believe trailed by as many as double digits in the first half, and then mm-hmm. put a run on to uh, actually lead by 10 right. by the end of the first half. So they flipped the script, script quickly. What do you make of Jay Wright's guys going a little bit more up-tempo? Well, again, they kind of did at the end of the first half. They're, of game they're, one. they're running off misses, really, uh, and, and that's what they've been doing, and Ohio State's been missing. Two of 10 to start the game, oh, just boy. 20%. Ohio State, I thought we were going to see, and maybe we still will see. It's very early in the ball game. I thought that we were going to see some shooting regression, at Mm -hmm. least to the positive for Ohio State, simply because they were one of 15 against Loyola and still beat this team by 13 because Loyola missed, I think they were like one of like 80 on layups or or something like like that. that. But Ohio State was able to score at the rim because they did get Kyle Young back. You would expect against this Villanova small ball lineup that Ohio State with EJ Liddell and Kyle Young and Zed Keeve and maybe even Joey Brunk off the bench that Jay should be able to get points at the rim or at least get sent to the foul line. But so far, 17 to seven Villanova, 1230 left to go in the first half. Yeah, you think Ohio State's going to want to try to play this like a Big Ten game and, and Villanova not, sometimes is willing to play rock fights like that. But you're right, it's kind of small against the bigs here. And so far, the smalls are leading this one 17-7 here uh, with about 12 minutes to go here in the first half. All right, when we come back, I'm going to take a look at some of the tickets that we've seen come in here for a Sunday in college basketball and maybe where the public is betting and where maybe some of the Sharps are betting as well and see if we can find some value going forward. Come on back. Just getting it started. Three hours to go right here. It is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming. Daily Best Bet emails our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get an analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, Tim Murray, and Wes Reynolds. They have insights on every key team, conference, and players to watch from the faves all the way to the potential Cinderella. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament, April 5th, for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. Alongside one of those aforementioned experts, I am Dave Ross. He is Wes Reynolds. This is Betting Across America right here on VEASAN. And, you know, we we mentioned those Cinderella's. St. Peter's. I mean, my goodness. Uh, That's a real Cinderella here that we have in the Sweet 16, Wes. And I want to get your thoughts just very quickly on yesterday's game when you watch them match up against Murray State. At one, at some point, do we go? This is just a hot team. It's fluky, or do we start to go? Okay, they're undersized, they're small, but these guys are tough, and they're playing with tons of confidence. And sometimes that happens in March, where you can catch fire. Well, the last three of the four 15s over twos have made the Sweet 16. St. Peter's is now there. They're going to wait for the winner of Purdue and Texas for later tonight. But you know, 15 seeds are also 15 seeds for a reason. So usually when they get to that sweet 16, it gets to be a little bit too much. Yeah. I don't know what the number is. We don't know their opponent mm-hmm. yet, but I would think it would be. But I got to give St. Peter's credit and especially Shaheen Holloway, because one of the things that's very hard to handicap a little bit in this tournament is that the average person and the average batter does not know what is going on behind the scenes. That's right. With this coaching carousel. You know, you wonder, okay, have they been in talks? Does a coach know that he's leaving already Mm. before they even take the court for the game? Does that affect preparation? Sometimes you just get beaten. Sometimes you could overanalyze that, of course. But, you know, we saw it a little bit with Seton Hall on Friday. Kevin Willard out the door going to Maryland. Their team played like it. And TCU absolutely kicked the crap out of him. I thought it was a very dominating performance. It was probably one of the easiest wagers I had in the first round. I mean, I never even sweated that. It Mm -hmm. was like okay, this is over. This team is the is the better team, and they're the tougher team right now. Kevin Willard going to take the Maryland job. So Shaheen Holloway, the former Seton Hall Pirates star, ah. by the way, is perhaps designated for Seton Hall. Didn't affect him. Didn't affect them at all. I, I really liked an interview he did because one of the things that they're doing, which I don't necessarily love about this tournament – they're having, they're doing it early in the first half where it's not like a total high leverage situation, but they're having these reporters interview coaches 
out of their timeouts. Like you're taking them away from your team. Yeah, what do you make of that? Because I, I, I really don't like it I because I'm old school. <laughs> and look, I was raised at the altar of Bob Knight in Indiana. And it's not just Bob Knight, but John Thompson. Yeah. Dean Smith, none of these old school coaches in the 80s would be like, they'd be like, get the hell out of my I, huddle. That's the last thing they want to yeah. do is talk to somebody like us in the media yeah. and, and, during during a game. Halftime yeah. is different. And, and I understand the access because they're paying all these billions mm-hmm. of dollars to televise this tournament. But I did think it provided a little insight yesterday. And uh, the interviewer was Jamie Erdahl. She was on the crew of Fine Eagle and Jim Smirnoff. And Jamie Erdahl actually is really good. Yeah. I really enjoy her work on basketball and also on SEC football. And she asked Shaheen Holloway about his team. He's like, unacceptable. He's like, you're up by one. He goes, it's still unacceptable. And I was like, <laughs> I love it That's my that, coach. that we hold people to standards because one of the things you see, and I think maybe social media could be part and parcel of it in the message boards. It's like, kids want to be coached. It's like, well, you can't yell at a kid. You can't ever hold a kid accountable. They, they want to be coached. They absolutely do. Want and, to and they want somebody to hold them accountable because they want to get better because they want to keep playing basketball for as long as their body will let them and maybe even get paid for this at some point at the professional level. So I like, you know, you got to give it to St. Peter's. The guy off the bench, uh, Eater, had only 13 yesterday, but this is a guy that looks like he should be in it, playing intramurals, mm-hmm. like like for the Fiji house no, no, in, no in a Greek league and some college for intramural team, and he's balling out. And credit to St. Peter's because that was a Murray State team that won 22 games in a row and was very good. So now you have St. Peter's in the Sweet 16 waiting for Purdue or Texas. Uh, both Purdue and or Texas would overwhelm St. Peter's athletically. I'll have to wait what the price is, but usually that's kind of when a team that's a Cinderella goes out because the look the way they set this tournament up, they love the upsets early, mm-hmm. but they don't want you advancing that much nah, further. That's it's exactly like the, right. St. Peter's, look, we got what we wanted out of you, St. Peter's. We got the great Cinderella story. Now we want your ass out. <laughs> we do not want you coming they to our final four, late. a small school in New Jersey. How many tickets are you really going to sell? How much is that going to draw eyeballs to the television screen? Because I did make that point earlier today, and I stole it from Scott Van Pelt, who I think makes the best point of all about this tournament. This is a television show. It's a- yeah, it's an athletic competition. Uh, yeah, it's for a national championship and for something meaningful. But it is a television show to most of the consumers of the product, whether they're fans or whether they're better. So, you know, uh, like that foul when they called the technical on Melendez oh, for Illinois goodness. with a dunk. I don't think that cost Illinois the game. No. It was kind of a little bit of a momentum staller. It was. But, and, and Illinois was the dead wrong side, so no excuses. But you just hate that it's like we're, we're really going to call that. It's not egregious. You no. know, that's something you just got to let go. Totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about Purdue and Texas today because when you look at the tickets that have gone out there right now, the most bet teams, well, Illinois, by the way, public dog, and that number and that ticket did not catch, getting four and a half. Villanova is the second most bet team today, uh, laying the five and a half right now. They're up eight with about 10 minutes to go here in the first half. But the third most bet team is Purdue, mm-hmm. laying the three and a half. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So the mes- most bet team by handle is still Illinois, number one, did not cash. Villanova is number three. So you see the correlation there. Texas is the second most bet team right now by handle. So we've got a... Pros versus Joe scenario happening here? Well, and I think Illinois probably was the top on the handle. Not only a lot of people liking that side, but I think because it was the early game. Right. Because it was the first game of the day. A lot of people probably bet it overnight, especially if they're out here in Las Vegas and they did not wake up at 9, 10 a.m. for that tip off. So uh, had a late Saturday night. So that's probably why I think the earlier games were going to get the most action. I fully expect by the end of the day that Michigan State and Duke, because it is kind of the prime afternoon spot, 515 Eastern leading you into your 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's always kind of in that spot. That's the Jim Nance Bill Raftery game. So it's going to be the most watched. They're going to be doing every Duke game because they want Jim Nance on that call. <laughs> no doubt. If and when Coach K, not if he wins the thing, but if he loses, just, you know, kind of put the summation on his career and mm-hmm. have a good line there at the end. So I fully expect the handle is going to increase on that for this afternoon. So I wasn't surprised Illinois being the first game out there. But in terms of the Texas-Purdue divide, yeah, I have that Purdue future uh, 25 to 1 I took last April. And I did also hedge out a little bit today. I took Texas plus four. I just... Chris Beard, for some reason, has had Matt Painter's number mm-hmm. in this NCAA tournament. You remember he had the 12-5 game. He beat him when he was at Arkansas Little Rock 
And then he also did the same thing at Texas Tech in that three versus two game in the Sweet 16. So, you know, there there's just something. Sometimes maybe you have a coach number, but I think Purdue's going to have to get used to seeing a new defense here because a lot of these Big 12 teams like Chris Beard in Texas, Texas Tech also does the same thing. Baylor also does the same thing. You have that no middle-oriented defense where – Chris Beard is going to pressure the ball. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to pressure Purdue's guards and deny entry passes because we know you get Edie on the block. You get Travion Williams on the block. We saw it against uh, Purdue's first opponent, Yale. They fouled him every time. Right. Now, Texas has obviously more athleticism down low, but, you know, that's what you're going to try to prevent. They want to scramble Purdue a little bit in the black court and put Ramey, who's a Courtney Ramey, a really good defender on Jaden Ivey. And if he can just kind of keep him at bay, Texas has a real chance. However, Texas on offense, their motion really isn't that great on offense. And that's Purdue's weakness Mm. is that they don't really guard ball screens uh, very well. They don't have really good guys on the ball like Eric Hunter Jr., Sasha Stefanovic. There's a trade-off. They keep those guys out there because they're good three-point shooters. They are not good guards in terms of guarding on the ball. So, uh, you know, Painter's very familiar with motion offense. Painter grew up a motion offense guy. He was a Bob Knight fan, obviously played for Gene Cady. So you would think that Purdue at least schematically would know how to defend this. So, uh, you know, Matt Painter, is this finally the chance? Because that's the discussion back home in Indiana right now. It's like Purdue will never have a better setup to get to the final four. You get through this game, you get St. Peter's, the 15 seed in the Sweet 16. And then you have the number one seed already knocked out. You have the number two, that's Baylor and Kentucky. So you're going to get a blue blood, North Carolina or UCLA, but that's an eight or a four. So Purdue's the best seeded team in this region and have the best odds right now. Now, all my Purdue friends and fans, that's just how they are. I've known them my whole life. They're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's right. If if Indiana, if IU wins like three games in a row against SWAC schools in November, it's like, we're back, baby. We're going to the final four. Purdue, man, the moment like a little adversity, it's like, here we go again. Oh, my God, here we go again. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I think Purdue probably wins the game today. I did did hedge off a little bit, though, because, look, I I don't think I'm going to need to hedge off in the Sweet 16 if Purdue gets through. They should beat St. Peter's. They should beat a 15 seed very easily. You and I are rooting for the same things today. We wouldn't mind uh, Purdue on the money line winning to advance, but if you get that number with Texas as well, you can kind of middle that thing there. I understand exactly what you're doing there because I've got a Purdue ticket as well for the Final Four. So, again, the bracket's opening up kind of like I hoped it would. Let's see if Purdue can walk through the door because it is wide open right now. When we come back, let's talk a little Valspar and see how we're doing with our golf handicapping and maybe look ahead to Augusta. Come on back. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That is why, Wes Reynolds, it is finger-licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today or bring us a couple at circus. Yeah. Be nice. bring, bring us some uh, biscuits and some mashed potatoes and some coleslaw. A whole spread here in the back room for us and the crew. We would appreciate that. KFC. Right now, about six minutes to go here in the first half, uh, Villanova's got a 26-19 lead on Ohio State. Now they've made a second free throw, 27-19. As I look up at CBS, I see an advertisement for the Masters, mm-hmm. a tradition Unlike any other. Yes, uh, it is going to be coming up uh, three weeks away. <laughs> when, when we do the shows, do we have to talk quieter? Is that how that works? I don't. We we could mix that in. I don't. I, I would like us to see if we could play. I don't know how much we can play without having to pay for it. But I would like <laughs> to music? play a little bit of the Augusta theme. Yeah, uh, all it is is scene. It's just scene yeah, setter stuff. Written by uh, written by Dave Loggins of uh, Please Come to Boston. Oh wow. Phase. Uh, so we'll get to that in about oh, about three weeks from now. Ohio State, by the way, knocks down a three. It's 27-22, just under six minutes to go here in the first half. Let's get to the Valspar, speaking of golf, a little bit, because this is, you look at some of the names, and it's a very interesting tournament for me from this perspective. You look at guys like Davis Riley and Matthew Neesmith, right? And then you see, you got your familiar names that you kind of, Troy Merritt's and Brian Harmon's of the world, even Robert Streb's, Adam Hadwin's. And then you got some guns up there, like the X-Men, Xander Shoffley and Justin mm-hmm. Thomas. How do you look at when you kind of marry these type of players in the same field? It's not an elite field, 
you have some elite players Mm -hmm. and not necessarily an elite field. Well, uh, right. And right now the leaderboard stands. We do have a three-way tie for the lead. Justin Thomas and Sam Burns, as the leaders have kind of come back to him, they are both at 16 under par. Uh, JT plus 140, Sam Burns plus 160. Matthew Neesmith, who, of course, was the leader over the weekend mm-hmm. after that 10 under par on Friday. He is 6-1. to one. Matthew Neesmith still looking for that first win on the PGA Tour. But the guy that was uh, the 54-hole leader that was starting today is your two-shot leader, Davis Riley, just takes a triple bogey, Ooh. now down to 15 under par. Trailing by one, Davis Riley, nine under. My one real guy in the race, I think, with the chance to win is Adam Hadwin, currently 10-1 to one live. He is 14 under through seven, so he is two shots off the lead. Then you drop down to a uh, guy at 12 under, Kevin Streelman. Maybe he could be the f- first to post a number. He is 12 under par through 10, three under on his round today. Streels at 150 to one. And then a host of guys at 11 under, Tommy Fleetwood, Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, Matt Fitzpatrick. These guys right now all triple digits because it's going to be hard to make up a five-shot lead. No doubt. With only about 12, with only about uh, 12 holes to go. So looks like at least by the odds board, this is a five-guy tournament. When you look at that odds board very quickly, I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, it's got to be JT. It's got to be Justin Thomas, right? You take the guy with the, with yeah. the most pedigree here. Is there any danger in that logic? Well, well he's got to beat the guy that won this thing last year, and that was Sam Burns, uh, who did mm. uh, win this by one over Keegan Bradley last year. 17 under the winning score. Not too far from that now. 16 under. Of course, is playing tougher today. So, look, it was looking like this was going to be on pace to be about a 20 under. Maybe it still will be. I don't think so. I think now when you get to we know the pins are tougher on Sunday, tougher. and we know that there's Sunday pressure. You know, to win any event, I don't, I don't care what it is, whether it's a major or a WGC or an event that's sure. a standard PGA Tour event like the Valspar. So look, uh, Justin Thomas was a guy that I had already played for the Masters, and look, he looks like he's peaking at the right time. But Sam Burns, the guy that won here last year, that was Sam Burns' first PGA Tour win. He's now moved up in the world rankings, where he's kind of a top 15 in the world player. So. Uh, you know, won a couple tournaments since, and those are the guys right now, along with Matthew Neesmith, who's been absolutely striping the ball. Matthew Neesmith, really good with his irons, like on strokes gain approach, just can't always make a putt, sometimes going to be a little erratic off the tee, so that's what you're seeing now, three-way tie. Looks like a five-guy tournament, unless Kevin Streelman can go on that birdie run like he did several years ago at River Highlands up in Connecticut, where he won the, uh, uh, what's that tournament called now, the Travelers Championship. And he made like seven birdies in a row on the back nine. So this is a guy I can get going, but basically a five-guy tournament. Yeah, you mentioned Justin Thomas kind of rounding into shape. He just made an incredible chip through the rough to get it close to the pin. Uh, it probably looks like he's going to save par. When, I, when you mention a guy like JT, and, you know, we have the VEASAN help desk here. And uh, we're going to get to some of those questions in a second. I have a help desk uh, question for you, sir. Okay. So when you say that JT is rounding into shape, is that form for the class players? Yes, they want to win the Valspar. But it's, it seems like they're more, even I saw Brooks Kepka kind of went low today, right? He's not going to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. Is it really for them to be in condition to win majors? Yeah, well, I mean, you want to use these. Obviously, you're only three weeks away. You're just a week removed from the players. So this is kind of that in-between. And then you have the match play next week. Uh, now, some guys, maybe just a handful, are going to forego the match play because that's kind of a grueling schedule because right. it's done in bracket format. I think that bracket's going to be released by about tomorrow afternoon. And it is 64 players. They put four in a pod. And look, you've got to play. You not only got to play round of 64, round of 32, round of 16, round of eight. And when you get to that weekend, I think it's two matches on Saturday, round of 16, round of eight. And then you get to the final four in the championship match. If you last in this thing, everybody plays in pool play. So everybody plays three matches in their pod. And the winner of those pods advance to the round of 16. So you're playing a lot of golf there. And then... If you're playing the tournament in San Antonio, some are going to forego it. Some are going to play it like Spieth always plays. Some guys like to play the week before a major. Right. And some guys do not. They like to practice in their facility with their with their swing coach and whatnot, and they don't like to go play. I remember Tiger never really played the week before a major. Phil always liked to play the week before a major. Mm-hmm. So a different philosophy, different strokes for different folks, I guess. But yeah, you're rounding into shape because the first major of the year is coming up in April. And then the, because the PGA got moved up now to May, so you don't have that time where it's like, okay, I got two months for the U.S. Open. You got a major championship the very next month. 
That's excellent. And again, that's the way I kind of look at some of those players to see the form before you get to Augusta mm-hmm. for some of those future plays. So we'll keep an eye on guys like Justin Thomas and Xander Schauffele here uh, as they get ready. Not even to the back nine yet here. We'll keep updating the Valspar uh, as the afternoon goes here, betting across America. I mentioned the VEASAN help desk, and these are good questions that come in. I want to read some of them to you and see if you have any uh, advice for the betters out there. This comes from Ed B. And he says, how much should ATS records influence your capping in college basketball? Because I know you like to say, make the trend your friend, but maybe not necessarily a lifelong partner. Yeah, I think a lot of newer betters to the market. And look, we all were newer betters at one point. I used to use it. I don't like to use ATS numbers because a lot of that is so much variance. There's always going to be teams that are really good against the number that seem to get all the breaks and then teams that don't. And you got to keep in mind with ATS records, you know, your big power teams like your Gonzaga, it's not like they're ever laying two or three points unless they're playing like somebody like Duke or, or one of the real elites. You know, they were laying 10 yesterday against Memphis, 10 and a half. Uh, Memphis did get their first half in game for Boy. us. But, uh, you know, they're always laying big numbers. So those are it's tough to cover big numbers. You look in like the WCC play for Gonzaga when they're laying 23 and 24. I don't care who you're playing against. That's tough to cover a big number like that. So I don't think that you want to use ATS records. If anything, sometimes I'll be like, okay, that's going to get priced into the market because the odds makers will look at that and say, okay, this team's covered 10 in a row. They're going to price it in the market. On Friday is an example of, of a streak I faded Purdue was 0-9-1 on an 0-9-1 run against the number. They had not covered since February 8th against Illinois. So they're laying this big number against Yale. It's like, eh, Purdue just didn't get away. They just they just don't cover. So, you know, what did they do? They pretty much laid out Yale. They actually <laughs> should have won by more than I think the 22 that they won by. I should have probably won by 30. No kind question. of a pedestrian second half. So, yeah, you don't want to weigh that too much, I think, into your handicapping. Got another question coming to you from Joey S. And he says, who or what is Ken Palm? Mm-hmm. How should betters use sites like KenPalm.com in their handicapping? Ken Pomeroy is uh, the short Ken Palm for short is the guy that runs this. Uh, he is a mathematician. I believe he is based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. and obviously puts out a very good product. I think it is very much worth your uh, your time to do that. It's a website and a statistical archive where he does college basketball ratings, tempo free statistics for every single NCAA Division One basketball team. It's kind of like the Bill James of baseball, right. if you will. And look, it is very valuable, but you don't want to use it as a total crutch. You want to use it as a tool, and it is a very good tool. It'll tell you, you know, in terms of different stats, offensive and defensive efficiency, what a team shoots from the floor, how lucky they have been. So, look, they're very useful stats, but I think sometimes it could cause a little bit of lazy handicapping because he does a thing called fan match Mm -hmm. where he gives a predictive final score for every game based on his numbers. You don't want to necessarily follow that. And I even hear guys on our network sometimes saying, well, Ken Palm makes it six, but the the odds makers make it four. Ken Pomeroy is smarter than you or I or anybody else will ever be, but he's not an odds maker. He's a statistician. He's a mathematics guy. So you don't want to go necessarily on him. He's not a better. He's not a gambler. So when in doubt, when there's a line discrepancy, more often than not, I am going to tend to side with the odds makers more than I am Mr. Pomeroy, even though I think his source is very, his resources are very invaluable. You know, it's interesting because somebody said to me, I, I know you're not a big analytics guy today on Twitter. And I said, no, I, I absolutely welcome analytics, but it's also have to use the eyeball test and kind of marry the two. It's not just about numbers, but it's not just about And you have to look money. at the betting market. The betting market is going to be the ultimate arbiter. When we come back, Adam Hill is going to join us to talk some football. You know, I can't wait to talk NFL. Come on back. It is betting across America right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets or risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Well, you can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use during dining, shows, hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM. MGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are not yet to the end of the first half uh, between Villanova and Ohio State, but if you had the under, well, that's not going to cash in that first half because a banked-in three by Ohio State, mm-hmm. some late foul shots here by Villanova with under two seconds to go, and 39-28 Villanova right now. 82.5% on Villanova for the season from the foul line. That would set the record if they wow. can keep that pace up. So 39-28, Nova going to cover that first half. Ohio State's going to need to get going, or they are going to get blown out, which would not be good for me. Now let's see right here. I'll heave at the buzzer is off the mark. So we are at halftime there. We'll get some adjusted numbers 39-28 Villanova uh, with the 11-point lead going into the locker room. Let's bring in Adam Hill. Love to talk to Adam, a Raiders reporter for Las Vegas Review Journal. Again, follow him on Twitter at Adam Hill LVRJ. Adam, great to have you here. You know, we always kid now about off-seasons for NFL reporters. I don't know if there's such a thing anymore. <laughs> it's been wild and woolly, certainly in the AFC West. Let's talk about the Raiders specifically here. Did you see this Devontae Adams news coming? Because I, I kind of thought, hey, Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. That means they get 12 back. They're going to get 17 back, but not so fast. Yeah, I thought so. And you're right about the offseason. I mean, these are my favorite four days of the year. While I cover the NFL, college basketball is my obsession. <laughs> and so I was kind of trying to get like, sneaking a day off or two. I know, listen, with free agency and everything else going on, you're going to have to work every day during this period. But I was like, oh, man, I can watch the games. And, of course, Thursday gets completely blown up by this trade. Mm. So the question of whether we we saw it coming or whether you know we thought it was possible, you're right. Things changed drastically because there was a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation that this could happen, that Devontae Adams could come to the Raiders. 
But that was really before Aaron Rodgers made his decision. And when Aaron Rodgers does decide to come back to Green Bay, I think the assumption for a lot of people, and you know, myself included, a lot of people covering the Raiders was, well, that means Devontae Adams is staying at least for a year, and they're going to franchise tag him and see how that plays out. And then there's rumors, well, he's not going to play on the tag, and there's some issues there in Green Bay. So, you know, all this was happening very quickly. So I thought it could happen before the Rodgers stuff went down. And then when, when Devontae Adams was saying he wasn't going to play the tag, I thought, well, maybe just before training camp, maybe something like that, it becomes, you know, an impasse and they have to move on from him and then they trade him to the Raiders potentially. Maybe that happens. But the timing of it, definitely a little bit unexpected uh, in terms of Devontae Adams coming to coming to Vegas. But listen, he's good friends with Derek Carr from college. They've they've talked about often wanting to play together. Uh, Devontae Adams, a lifelong Raiders fan, has wanted to come here. Uh, obviously, Nevada, a very attractive place to come live for many reasons. Las Vegas is the greatest city on earth, but also uh, the no state tax really helps. So any kind of a deal you get anywhere else is actually a much bigger deal here in Nevada because of the tax situation. And Devontae Adams bought a house here a couple of months ago, and mm. that kind of fueled a speculation as well. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The timing was very weird just because once Rodgers came back, you thought there's no way Rodgers would have come back if he didn't know that Devontae Adams was coming back. Adam, one more on the Raiders here, and let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Of course, a big move, Chandler Jones. <laughs> As a pass rusher, Max Crosby, of course, got locked up and deservedly so had a phenomenal year. But they made the trade, also got Rock Yusin from Indianapolis, uh, and Gakwe goes back to the Colts. Yusin now for the Raiders. Do you think that the Raiders are done in terms of making some moves defensively for the new first-year defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham? Well, you would hope not. I mean, they have a lot of work to do. I think especially in the linebacking core, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they don't really have draft capital anymore. I mean, late in the draft, they have, you know, they give a first and second round pick uh, for Devontae Adams. So they, they're going to have to find it in other ways. So I think that there's going to be some guys. I mean, you always have the post-June first cuts. You've always got guys that wait till training camp to decide where they're going to go play. Uh, they're going to be able to, to fill in spots here and there. But I think the plan kind of seems to be just get after the quarterback and you don't have to cover for very long. You don't have to have linebackers covering for very long uh, because they are really focused on that pass rush for sure. I just think they have a lot of work to do. And, you know, I think that what the moves told you, um, not only just going, getting good players that you mentioned and the Yassin and, and, and uh, Chandler Jones, but it tells you that, you know, they want to have this identity. It was kind of weird when Patrick Graham came in, one of the first conversations I had with him was, Hey, you need and Max Crosby are great, but they do not work. Uh, in a three, four, like, how are you going to make this work? And Patrick Graham said, well, you know, you play a lot of nickel, you play a lot of, you know, different packages. You don't really stick in your base very often. And I can adjust the personnel. It's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. And Taylor Jones fits a three, four much, much better than unique and Gakwe did. And if you're going to go get after the quarterback and you're going to blitz more than the Raiders did last year, which they were the, the lowest blitz percentage team in the league, then you got to get guys that can play man. And Rockison can absolutely play man much, much better than he does zone. So I think it tells you he's going after guys that fit his defensive system. While he said before, or you can adapt it to the personnel. He's clearly going to get the personnel that are going to fit in his defense. Talking with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And Adam, when I look at the AFC West, it does feel like an arms race now. It feels like a, a power five conference against a mid-major with some of these other divisions in the NFL, just with the additions of the other teams. Uh, certainly the most notable one being Russell Wilson in Denver. When you look at it now, I mean, the Chiefs are actually plus money to win the AFC West. The the Raiders have the longest odds, but they've been shorted with some of these moves that we just talked about with Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. I mean, this is going to be a murderer's row each and every week in any divisional matchup. What do you make of it? And do you recall the AFC West ever being this deep with all four teams? No, definitely not. I mean, it's crazy. And in fact, you know, I, I thought it was interesting when Russell Wilson went to the Broncos, my thought immediately was, well, it's time for the Raiders to rebuild, like shop Derek Carr, move on from him, trade any assets you have build for two years from now when the salary cap starts to catch up with some of these guys and, and play it out that way. But instead the Raiders took the opposite approach and said, no, we're going to go all in too. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to compete with them, which is, which is nuts. But I think you look at our paper, you know, I talked to some of the guys around town that, you know, said a lot of the numbers and I, you know, I asked kind of how much does the Devontae Adams move tr- change the Raiders Super Bowl projections and their odds. And they said not much at all because look at the division. I mean, it's still going to be an uphill battle. 
I actually think, you know, right away when the Adams move was made, I said, hey, I think they're still the fourth best team. I started to analyze a little bit more. I think they might be third. I think they might be ahead of Denver, uh, but it's not, it's not that much of a difference. And it's really not that much of a difference up to the top either. I mean, you've got these teams bunched up. I think the Chiefs could come back to the pack a little bit. Um, and the Chargers obviously seem like they're much, much better on paper. Uh, and I love Staley, by the way. I love the way that he calls games. Uh, the, you, know, you can call it aggressiveness. I actually call it uh, caution because you're actually increasing your win percentage by doing the things that he does. So it's the cautious move, not the aggressive move. But I love Staley. Um, and, and I think this division is going to be really, really impressive. Uh, I talked to some people in Kansas City who are pretty hardcore Chiefs, you know, fans as well as insiders, and they said they think the Chiefs might be the fourth best team oh. on paper, which is crazy. Uh, but you understand, I think, just getting that sense that all the teams are bunched up very close, and you know, one big call here or there, one big decision, one big injury could completely change the landscape of the division. Adam, uh, got about a minute and a half to go here, but it seems like that divisional round game between Buffalo and Kansas City, and obviously those that follow you know that you are a Buffalo Bills fan, and it seems like that game kind of changed the landscape for the entire league. You hate to overestimate it, but I mean, I even saw Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, like, okay, you got to have this type of quarterback. Right. You got to have an Allen. You got to have a Mahomes. You got to have an elite quarterback to compete in this AFC. So let's go to your Bills uh, momentarily. Do you believe that they are the clear-cut favorite right now in the AFC? Uh, former Bills fan, Wes. Oh, oh, oh I haven't <laughs> caught up. Yeah. I haven't caught yeah. up yet. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's all. Um yeah, I think I think when you look on paper, I mean, obviously, I think when you sign the massive contract, you're putting your team in a really, really bad spot. They were, you know, with Allen on his rookie deal, they were much more able to bring in guys. And this offseason, it, it's, they haven't been able to make, you know, a ton of moves that they had. Obviously, they made some big moves on paper uh, with Fawn Miller, which I thought was questionable. I thought you're paying him way too much money at this stage of his career. It's kind of crazy to me to do that. I think those are some mistakes uh, that the Bills might have made. And I think Brandon Bean is incredible. Uh, what he does. So, uh, yeah, I think on paper, just based on what they did last year and how they could play, uh, they could move forward. But don't forget, like Josh Allen was incredible in the playoffs. There was a stretch last year where he was atrocious, mm-hmm. just absolutely atrocious. He's still inconsistent. I mean, listen, everybody saw the playoffs. He was great. But look back at some of those games in the middle of the year when he was awful. He still got those tendencies in him. Yeah, Buffalo, by the way, 7-1 to win the Super Bowl. Adam, really enjoyed the conversation. Enjoy your time off, I put in air quotes. There he is, Adam yeah. Hill. Uh, always a great conversation talking NFL. When we come back, we'll update everything going on in college basketball. Still at halftime right now. Come on back. It's Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.